Welcome back to another episode of Sports Rundown. I'm your host, Z, and joining me today are my co-hosts, Waddles, Jackson, and Josh. This is episode four of the Sports Rundown podcast. We are four college students coming to you from the campus of Palm Beach Atlantic University, here to bring you all of the sports and all of the news that goes with it. And today we're going to be giving you guys a recap of what's been going on in the NFL so far this year and look ahead to week seven. Okay, I think we're going to start off by talking about the standings and where each team are, or where each teams are, and basically our surprise teams and then underwhelming teams as well. So I'd like to start off with talking about the NFC East, which is definitely looking like a surprise division right now in terms of what people were thinking at the start of the year. The top three teams in the NFC East have three total losses, and two of those losses are to each other. That's just unreal. For a team, for, for a division that for the longest time, I mean, the, the Cowboys still get clowned, and they've been pretty decent recent in recent years memory for or a division overall that gets clowned pretty often they are making a statement so far in this season and a lot of it's been justified as multiple years they've had division leaders at the end of the year with eight or nine wins so often they have been one of the weakest divisions in the nfc which has been strong but may not be this year with other divisions having three win leaders right now but the yeah the the NFC East is definitely making a, a turnaround this year with multiple teams looking to make the playoffs. Well, the way that the Philadelphia Eagles are looking like right now is just unreal. From the defense to the running game to the wide receiver core to Jalen Hurts putting together what I believe to be an MVP caliber season. I mean, I think the Philadelphia Eagles at the – Beginning of the season, I can't tell you that I was sold on them, but right now, I'm I'm definitely buying into Philadelphia Eagles stock. And closely following them is the New York Giants, who is probably one of the most surprising teams this year at five and one. And I want to know what you guys think about them because while they have a very strong record this year, their points differential is only plus fourteen, despite being five and one. So I want to know what you guys are expecting from them for the rest of the season. Oh, personally, I really think that a lot of the Giants' success comes from Saquon Barkley being healthy. Um, and another part of Saquon being healthy is he really gives off that persona of having grit. And I think, like like you said, with the point differential, I think this is a very gritty New York team that has to... They don't necessarily blow out teams in wins, but they are in that game the whole time, and they are looking strong, and they can be competitive with whomever. And I think the most impressive part is the fact that the past couple of weeks they've gone against legit teams, basically, that we've seen the past couple of years. Like, a couple of weeks ago they were in London and they faced the Packers, who are, I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers. Usually you expect a lot out of him. And they blew a 10-point lead to the Giants in the second half. And then this past week you have them against the, the Ravens. The Ravens blew a 10-point lead as well. And they come back and win. So they're, they're looking really strong right now. And I'm looking at their schedule, and their upcoming games are against the Jaguars, Seahawks, Texans, and Lions, which gives them a really strong opportunity to to rack up a lot of wins. That could that could very easily be a nine and what nine and one Giants nine and one team if they go four and zero through that stretch. That is beautiful, and it's like Josh said, they had back to back wins these past two weeks against very quality teams in Green Bay and Baltimore. Which, by the way, Baltimore just signed wide receiver Deshaun Jackson. 
coming back. So we'll see how that works out for Baltimore. But yeah, yeah those Giants. Another surprise team out of New York. Yeah, I agree. The and then New York Jets at four and two. Exactly. Yeah, I don't think anyone saw the Jets having a winning record at any point through this season, especially with how early they are in their rebuild. But their defensive line has been elite. They've gotten good quarterback play out of Joe Flacco and recently Zach Wilson. Well, that's what I think is honestly probably one of the more impressive things about the Jets is the fact that they've managed to hold themselves together, you know, better than people expected while, you know, switching quarterbacks. And I feel like not a lot. I mean, you've seen it with the Dolphins recently. Dolphins have been switching quarterbacks, and they went from three and zero to three and three. So I think the four and two Jets, while switching quarterbacks, I think that's a very impressive thing to have accomplished. Yeah, and speaking of impressive, I feel like it's the fact that not only is it basically like sluggish wins where they're kind of struggling against the teams, but the past couple of weeks they played the Dolphins last week and won by a huge margin 40 to 17 and then what was the score of the Packers game this week it was 27 10 in Green Bay in winning Green by Bay. 17 that is I will I like not to diss on the Jets or Giants win against the Packers but I knew the Packers team would not be up to the same quality as they had been because Devonte Adams is an elite wide receiver and you know losing him is going to have some sort of effect but I did not foresee the Packers being as bad as they are. I, I mean, I can confidently say that the Packers are bad this year. Yeah, I agree. And while the Jets have looked very strong this year, the, the Bills have still looked like the team to beat in the, in the, in the AFC East division at 5-1. and one, And they've looked very strong on both offense and defense. If someone would have told you that all football in the state of New York through – uh, we're not quite to the midway point of the season, but through six, seven weeks, they have a combined four losses. I would have looked at that person and said, told them they were crazy. Yeah, The Jets, the Giants, and the Bills, I believe the Bills could carry a good, winning, good strong winning record, but New York, state of New York showing out in the NFL this year. Yeah, it's looking good right now. Uh, anyway, continuing through with the NFC East, we have the Cowboys sitting in that third spot. Again, Cowboys four and two. One of their losses is um, to the Eagles, and uh, you know that was again a competitive, good. I mean, for the most part, it was a good game. And the defense is looking really strong. And I feel like the most surprising fact is how Cooper Rush has been the starting QB for the past couple games. Like they've been. This is the only loss that they've had since he became the starter halfway through the first game of the season. But the they, thing, they were impressive the way that they were able to fight through the past couple of weeks with him at QB. The thing that really interests me about the whole Cooper Rush at quarterback in Dallas is the fact that Jerry Jones has come on the radio multiple times, came on the radio this morning and said that Dak is still pushing for a return against the Lions and that Dak's just immediately going to be put back into that starting role. I don't know why you'd rush that. I don't I don't even I mean you don't even have to call it a rush. As long as Cooper Rush is winning games, why would you mess with it? Yeah, especially with the fact that it's the Lions. So that's yeah. that's considered an easier game even though it's supposed o- to even be. though their offense has been really good so far this season, but their defense has been terrible. Well, it, and so 
that it's the Cowboys defense. I mean, you've got an elite level defense. You shouldn't have to worry about the Lions offense. Yeah. I don't care how to what level it is. And even if you have to worry about the Lions offense, you don't have to worry about their defense because they're going to let you score. No, not at all. Especially when you have Tony Pollard, C.D. Lamb, you know, Ezekiel uh, Elliott, and the list just goes on. I, I don't understand the Jerry Jones decision. And, you know, we'll see if he's actually back or not, but I would want to play Cooper Rush until it's not a viable option any longer. Mm-hmm. Well, on to the NFC North. This is a this is a division with standings that look pretty unfamiliar as Green Bay is not at the top at this point in the year as they're accustomed to being. And the top team there is the Minnesota Vikings at a strong 5-1. and one. Do you guys think that the Minnesota Vikings are going to finish this year on the top of the standings, or are the Packers going to come back? That's difficult. I feel like with the position they're in right now, with the momentum that they have, they're looking really good because the offense is basically firing on all cylinders with Justin Jefferson and everything. But I don't know. I've I've always been confident that the Packers always find a way because they've always the basketball seasons, especially with Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers. They usually start off kind of slow, but then they they'll pick it up and become one of the best teams in the NFC. But it's going to be tougher this year for them to dig out of that hole. I feel like so. I I would have to agree with your final statement on that. Is I don't know if the Packers. Yeah, I've already. I think I've already said this on this pod, but I think the Vikings really. I mean, you look at it. The Packers are having their issues. The Bears are having their issues, and so are the Lions. The Vikings. I don't even really think they have to keep up the wins at the rate that they're currently going. I think they have the opportunity. You now obviously as a team you don't want to do this, but I think they could slow it down a little bit and still finish as division leaders. I just think the NFC North is an, a a poor looking team this year or division this year. And at this point they're sitting at the the second seed in the whole NFC and a lot of that's due to their weapons with Jamar or um Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen and Dalvin Cook. It's absolutely amazing to me the way that Kirk Cousins can finally, like, you see stats from Kirk Cousins year after year, and it's like, oh, I wouldn't expect that to be Kirk Cousins. And he's got good stats, and regardless, you never see his name thrown around. Well, this year, the Vikings have a good record. He's putting up good stats. He's hitting his receivers. He's he's passing efficiently. And you're still not seeing any news about Kirk Cousins. Is it maybe is it maybe time for that? Should we be seeing Kirk Cousins' name in some more? I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's at the same level of some of these guys like Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, but maybe put a little respect on Kirk Cousins' name because he's definitely up until this point in time been the best quarterback in the NFC North. Yeah, I'd say so because as of the past couple of years, especially um, when they count on his track record for primetime games, the fact that he hasn't had a single primetime win like since he became the Vikings quarterback, I feel like they should be giving him a lot more respect because he's at least doing enough to where the Vikings are able to win consistently at this point when they had been middle of the pack the past couple of years. So I feel like they should. And, and while we're not calling him like an elite quarterback, he has been – he's in the top 10 currently in passing yards and passing touchdowns. So if he can remain – somewhere around a top 10 quarterback for the Vikings with all their weapons and with their defense playing well. That that team has a potential to go really far. Is, 
As far as postseason play, I'm not sure how confident I would be in the Vikings just because, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but won't this be Justin Jefferson's first playoffs? If he, if, if they, they make, make it, it then and, it would, yes. And, I mean, I know it's been a, a quite a few years since most of those guys have been in the playoffs, especially with the Vikings. So I think maybe lacking a little bit of experience in postseason play could get them. But, yeah, like I said, anything can happen. Well, if we want to talk about the Giants coming back, they've got, you were saying how they've, they're losing momentum. They're next of the next three games, two of them are Commanders and then the Lions. So those are going to be two what should be pretty easy wins. What should be easy wins. And then you've got the Bills. So that one will be a harder-fought game. Even if they lose, that's still two wins in the next three weeks You know what they're re- looking at. You know what really interests me? I'm moving down a little bit in the NFC North. Is that the Lions do not look like a bad team. They look like a good team. They should be a good team. They should be a they good team. They should be a good team. But and they aren't. They are one and four. Their record doesn't justify what they're do- no, capable of it doing. Does, it does not at all. And I, I think I, I said this before the draft. I think if you, I mean, obviously the defense need, needs work, but it took a big step forward from last year regardless. Yeah, because if you notice, almost, or actually every single game other than last week against the Patriots where they got blown out 29 to nothing. That was unreal. Every single week. Their losses have been by less than 10 points. So they've all been single digits, including week one where they faced the Eagles, and it was only 38-35, to 35, and which is really impressive. During actually. that Eagles game, they were leading. They were leading yeah. for a good play. They were and leading they're for scoring a good chunk. constantly. Yeah. No, they are a fast-scoring team. Now, imagine – now, I don't want to throw shade at anyone. Imagine what you're doing with a good quarterback. Because Jared Goff is not the long-term solution in Detroit. The first couple weeks, he was looking really good, but now yeah, he's kind of... He's gone, gone back, back to, to his where, Jared Goff yeah. levels. And yeah. the, the offense, okay, this past week, the, when they got shut out, the offense was the problem. But through, generally, throughout the first six weeks, they currently lead the NFC North in points. Their biggest problem is, has been the defense, is they have given up the most points in the they, league. They lead season. in points, but they also leave in points given up. Which is they do, yeah. But in, the, in their division, they've scored one, despite the shootout last week. They still have scored one more point this year than the Minnesota Vikings, whose offense is viewed much higher than theirs. Their their biggest problem has been their defense has given up 170 points already through six weeks. And correct me if I'm wrong, but had it not been for that shutout last week, which obviously we can't ignore that, they would have the most points scored and the most points scored on in the league. Which, you know, those are two completely polar opposites. All you have to do is bring that defense in a little bit. Just don't be the worst defense. In, I mean, statistically, having the most points scored on you. Don't be the worst defense in the league. And see what that changes to your, to your record. To, I mean, how competitive you are. Because, like I said, I like the Lions. I thought, I thought they looked good, and, you know, their record just doesn't reflect that. Yeah, because think about the fact that if your team scores 45 points, especially in the NFL, you would expect to win handily. But the fact that they lost 48 to 45 has got to be just mind-blowing. Like, you would never, ever think that would happen in the NFL. And I mean, moving on, moving on, moving past the Detroit Lions, is they don't look better than Chicago. You You look at Chicago's offense, they have only scored nine 
Justin Fields has scored nine touchdowns this year. Like, they are not a scoring offense at all. He's only completing 54% of his passes, and the offense as a whole, rushing and passing and receiving yards, is averaging 293 yards a game. That is good for 28th in the league and good for 40 yards lower than the league average. And they have more wins than the Detroit Lions. What does that tell you? Defense wins championships. It's, it tells you that the Detroit Lions need to figure out something. And, I mean, and along with the fact that Chicago's offense needs to figure out something. Yeah, exactly. All right. Moving on to the NFC West. Another division that is normally pretty competitive and so far up into this year has been very lackluster with three teams having the same record of 3-3 three and three being the 49ers, Rams, and Seahawks. 49ers, of course, leading the division. But what do you guys expect to happen in this division for the rest of the year playing out? Because I don't foresee this. I, I just did not expect this out of the NFC West. I would not have expected this either after recent years. And while no, the, the 49ers and Rams have both underperformed, as they were both strong playoff teams last year, but the Seahawks have also overperformed. I, I agree with that. The yeah. Seahawks being 3 Especially and three. Geno Smith, who's played very well this year in his first year in a while as a starter. The Seahawks were not expected by many to be anywhere near an even record this year, and currently they're tied for the division lead. Yeah, I agree. I, I, mean, I feel like they're, they're definitely overperforming for sure, but I feel like they'll kind of stay at that pace to where they're, they're doing pretty good, but like middle of the pack at the same time. Because I feel like the 49ers have the best chance to win the division right now for sure. Because their defense is clearly one of the best in the in the league at this point in time. And then if their offense with Jimmy Garoppolo, if they can get things figured out in, on that side of it, I feel like they have the best potential. I feel like a part of the 49ers' issues is Debo Samuel. He is not looking like what he looked like last year. He's had a he's, couple of good games. He's not, he, no, but he is by no means playing poorly. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying he has not been that upper, upper elite echelon of player that we saw last year. Yes, but their defense has has been playing at that elite level. Is in terms of points against, they've had the second-best defense behind only bu- the Buffalo Bills. And that's been, I mean, that's been their strength this year. It's been, I feel like it's been a very good strength for the 49ers in a couple recent years is their defense. Moving through the NFC West, we've talked about, you know, how the Seahawks have underperformed and the Rams have or the Seahawks have overperformed and the Rams have underperformed. But the Cardinals currently sit at two and four. And DeAndre Hopkins comes back this week. Marquise Brown is also out for the year with injury, but they just traded for Robbie Anderson. What do you guys foresee this Cardinals team doing in the second half of the season, the second two quor- two quarters of the I season? I feel I feel like their offense should definitely improve. But their defense is looking terrible right now. Like they've given up compared to the other teams in their own division. I mean, the Seahawks have given up the most points right now, but they're giving up 142 like throughout the season so far. So I feel like their defense definitely needs to pick it up. But if their offense can get back into a rhythm with D Hop and, and Kyler together, then I feel like they can come back. But I don't I don't know if they can make it up at like completely by the end of the season to where they make the playoffs. It'll be tough. I feel confident in saying that 
DeAndre Hopkins coming back will help out the Cardinals a good bit. And like you said, that won't help their defense at all. But I think their defense is competent enough to where if the if the Detroit Lions had the defense that the Cardinals had, I think the Detroit Lions would, at the bare minimum, have an even record right now. Oh, yeah, probably even better than that, considering the margin of their and, losses. And if that, they had 142 given up, then that, they would probably that's have what I'm a th- winning record by far. I think the Cardinals, I think while their offense is looking poor, I think a lot of their problems can be solved by scoring the ball more. And I think DeAndre Hopkins provides that. Anything else from anybody? No. All right. Moving on to the NFC South. Another very poor showing from the NFC with the Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons <laughs> tied for, you know, top of the division. Again, at 3-3, three and three, just breaking even. And this is a division that was expected to be poor headed into the year, at least outside of the the Buccaneers and the Falcons, the Panthers, and the Saints, but mostly because of quarterback play. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have not gotten strong play out of Tom Brady in their offense. No, the wide receiver core on Tom Brady is old, and I genuinely, I mean, you see the chemistry. I mean, you've seen Tom Brady lose his mind. Week in and week out, yeah, especially this past week this with the offensive line where he just went off on his, them. Yeah. yeah, and I really want to wonder how much of this is how his life off the field has changed because you saw him disappear for weeks this summer. He no longer shows up to practices on win- Wednesdays. He just got the divorce. You know, did Tom Brady make the right decision by coming back to football? I mean, at, at this point, you at, would have to say no. I would for say, sure. At this but. point, I think he, I think him coming back to football is one of the worst things he could have done, just from everything that has transpired so far in this season. Again, okay, while the while the Buccaneers like, they they've been underperforming this season, especially last week and their loss to the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're still sitting at three and three, so this hasn't been. It's not a complete failure. They they still have time to to turn the ship around, but as of now, they 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 have underperformed through the first six weeks. But when you have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Julio Jones as your top three wide receivers, you would expect more than with oh, uh, with with the quarterback that most people, the majority of people, consider to be the goat. You should expect a better record than three and three. Absolutely. And speaking of poor quarterback play, I know you mentioned, E, that a lot of the NFC South's problems come stem from poor quarterback play. But one quarterback stands out to me more than any other quarterback in the league, and that's Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, with the Carolina Panthers, has been nothing short of atrocious. I, I mean, I don't know if you can use a different word for it. Yeah, because at least when he was with the Browns, he was at least a little bit decent to well, the point to where they were actually competitive. But at this point, it's like the Panthers in general, other than Christian McCaffrey, it seems like they're all falling apart. Because you got DJ Moore. I mean, it'll probably have to do with the fact that Mayfield's not living up to a standard. But he hasn't been putting up 
like the receiving stats that we usually expect out of him being one of the underrated receivers in the league. Well, and you but, see, you see Robbie Anderson lost his and mind. That too, yeah. And you see Christian McCaffrey's, you know, available for trade talks now. And I think a big part of it, like you said, in Cleveland, the Panthers don't have a defense to back up anything. Like if Baker messed up, he had a defense that, you know, you could count on every now and then like, hey, the defense is going to bail you out. Like you got lucky. You guys are going to come out with this win, but it was because of the defensive talents. They don't have that. And that's showing with a one and five record. I'm currently sitting at tied for worst team in the league. I just, at least the, when you think of the Saints for their poor quarterback play, you have to think that they've rotated through three quarterbacks. Because, you know, Jameis Winston has his injuries. Andy Dalton's had his injuries. And then you're throwing in Taysom Hill. You know, that's, that's different. I'm still not saying it's acceptable, but it's different. And the Falcons, I, I like the way the Falcons are playing this year, I'm not going to lie, with Marcus Mariota. He, yeah. he had a great game last week. 13 of 14 passing attempts, you know, a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown. He looked nice. You got Drake London, Kyle Pitts. You know, Cordell Patterson's out right now, but you'll have him coming back. When you have him, he's one of the most utilized weapons in the league, I'd say. you're You're not even counting the fact that you're missing Calvin Ridley this year. Exactly. So, I mean, I think next year, if the Falcons really, you know, work on this, this year you've got a year two Drake London, you've got another... I'm assuming you're going to have a decently high draft pick. I like the I like the way the Falcons are heading. And I feel like it's most impressive the fact that they've not been using Pitts as much as they should from what you've been seeing. Like, this past week was the first time he scored a touchdown on season. American soil in his career. Because his first career touchdown was in... That's right. ...was overseas yeah. last season. I had completely so forgot about that. He hasn't scored one here yet, and now he finally did. And people have been talking about it because of the fact that... They have not been using him as much as they should because he is, at his best, he should be one of the best tight ends in the NFL. Oh, 100%. And you see fantasy football, you know, you see them livid because of his fantasy production, and a lot of that's coming from the Falcons not utilizing him. And I think part of that is that they have other options. They don't necessarily need to. So it'll be really interesting when you've got Cordell and Calvin Ridley back on that field. All right, moving on to another underperforming division, the AFC North. Switching to the AFC. Currently, we have two, the two leaders, once again at 3-3, three and three, the Baltimore Ravens and defending AFC champs, Cincinnati Bengals. I, you called this team, you called this, not team, sorry, division underperforming. While, yes, the Ravens and Bengals should both be better than 3-3, three and three, I think... I think the Bengals just had a rough start to the season. You know, you had that Super Bowl hangover. I think the Bengals will pick it up, and they'll be at the top of the division. Ravens? Ravens are a really interesting case because they should not be 3-3. Three and three. They should be at least 5-1 and one right now. The way, the way that Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson are playing, you should not be 3-3. Three and three. I would call that an underperformance. The Browns, they're playing Jake uh, Jacoby Brissett right now. I'm not too worried about the Browns. We knew... We knew that if the Browns would have to fight hard the first half of the season. Now, when Deshaun comes back, if they're not picking up wins still, then we can talk about the Browns underperforming. And same thing with the Steelers. The, Ste- the Steelers did the stupidest possible thing by starting Mitch Trubisky at the beginning of the season, and now you've thrown in Kenny Pickett halfway through the season, and it's just not 
He's getting better week by week, but it's just not the decision you should have made. You yeah, should have started Kenny Pickett from the beginning of the season. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing. Either that or they should have let him sit out long enough to where he kind of learned the system more than he would right now. Because usually the case, if you're not one of the like a top five pick in the draft to where they know you're going to start immediately, usually you would expect teams to, to hold off on their rookies and let them have time. And then if the season's clearly clearly going south, then basically you throw them in there because there's no point in the season anymore. And so you're just giving them playing time and time to basically learn the system and everything. But Which I, just, I, I think, given all things considered, I think Kenny Pickett has done, has picked it up somewhat nicely. And like a, a last week, I think the connection between him and Chase Claypool could be very nice. Chase Claypool's stat line last week, what was it? Seven for seven. He caught every target thrown to him for 96 yards and one touchdown. That's about 14 yards per attempt. It was very nice. You know, I think that connection could really build into something special. And then um, going back to the Ravens for a second, like I was saying, I feel like they should be at least 5-1 and one because you notice that this past week when they played the Giants, they blew a 10-point lead. I think it was 20-10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. And then a couple weeks ago, you have the Dolphins when all of a sudden they came out of nowhere from, what, a 20-plus point deficit. And then... I will say, though, I do think the Dolphins are the better team this year. While that was an atrocious lead to give up, I don't think they should have had that lead to begin with. But that's for a different yeah, that's for a different yeah. day. A different that's discussion. a different conversation. But they, at the they, same time, they also blew a double digit lead against in their loss to the Bills. So all three of their losses, they that blown, one too. Yeah. So they could even be they could have even been undefeated. But, but they, they also need to be able to hold on to their leads. Exactly. Games. I feel yeah. like a constant um, issue with the Ravens over the past few seasons has been the fact that they have not been able to hold on to lead leads. I feel like if there's a stat, and I don't know how we'd be able to find it, if you look at teams' records if the game ended at halftime versus when the game ends, I feel like teams that records would change the most are the Detroit Lions and the Baltimore Ravens. Which... They would have to be. Well, also the Falcons. Yes. The Falcons, <laughs> for sure, because the Falcons you can tell it, be it's been made too. a meme, basically, the amount of... Yeah. what three touchdown leads or something that they've blown, and then yes. nobody will get over the 28-3 game, of course. No, which is just so that'll, sad. That'll go on for the rest of time. But but I'd like to move on to the, the AFC West, and a team in particular, um, the Denver Broncos. <laughs> because Broncos country, let's ride. It's just such an interesting case. The fact they've only scored 91 points. I think they're the only – they might be the only team in the league. Or, well, okay, there's the Steelers and the Texans. But, like, based on their expectations going into the year, some people had them winning the division. Oh, based off their expectations, them, it's beyond atrocious. And then Russell Wilson himself, like, yeah. you you would expect him to have an MVP caliber year possibly, but he has been one of the worst QBs this season. And to see the fact that they signed him to that massive contract before they even saw him play – was oh, yeah. wild. Yeah. And well and you're seeing now reports I feel are coming out after every game that he's injured something else. Last week it was his thumb, this week it was his yeah, I can't remember if it was his hamstring or thigh, but if you're paying a quarterback, I believe he signed a 240 million dollar extension. 
I think it might have been 140, but either way. Either way, like he the, signed a massive way, extension. Was, yeah. And he's looking like one of the worst in the league, and he's looking extremely injury-prone with a young and explosive offense. And this is coming from someone that wanted out of Seattle because he felt like he wasn't being utilized properly. That is unacceptable. Yeah. I don't like it at all. And you know what the, you know what the worst part about that, in, that issue in, in Denver is? Is the fact that the Raiders are worse than them. Yeah. You have Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, college teammates. Devontae Adams, like I said earlier when we were talking about Green Bay, one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the league. And you have one win. And you know who your one win is against? The Denver Broncos. <laughs> and I feel like they have Josh Jacobs as well, and then they have Darren Waller, even though he's not in right now. Like the potential, they last year didn't they make the playoffs? They they beat the Chargers last game of the season and went up against the Bengals in the playoffs. Yep. So I mean, personally, I expected them to be really good this year oh. and, and be a playoff contender. I I remember in the off season when you had the Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders. People were putting the Chiefs towards the bottom of the division because they didn't know how the offense was going to be without Tyreek. And and you're looking at it and the offense is fine without Tyreek. It's everyone else oh, that's yeah. having as, issues. As long as you have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes together, along with Travis, Travis Kelsey, Kelsey, there's no problem whatsoever. Because didn't nope. Kelsey had what three or four t- four touchdowns? Kelsey, let's let's bring up Kelsey's season stats real quick, because I know for a fact they've stayed basically. He's doing, the he's exact doing basically same. what he's been doing his whole career. Nothing has changed about Travis Kelsey. You know, he's had 41 receptions. 455 yards, and seven touchdowns. Last year, he only had nine touchdowns. So he's on all, pace all, for... All of his stats sound like they're on pace for more than he's had in previous years. And, and he's, he's... He's completely on pace for 100 receptions, well over 1,000 yards. And he and previous years, he's been the best tight end in the league with a great record. And you're just... <sighs> and that, then you got yeah. their new additions who have been doing good as well. Because mm-hmm. you have Valdez Scantling... He's been picking it up. Then you have Juju, Juju. who's finally starting. Like in the past game, he he seemed like he was really starting to pick it up. And uh, coming into the season, you know, we haven't seen a lot out of him, but I'm still really high on Sky Moore, rookie out of Western Michigan. He has a lot of talent. I think he's got a lot of talent. I think he's got, you know, obviously maybe not this year anymore, but in the coming years, I think the Chiefs still have a great wide receiver core. Yeah, and then um, I'd like to talk about the Chargers as well because they're four and two. Um, just like the Chiefs are, so they're kind of sitting where we thought they would as well. And then the offense is doing good like always. But what I find interesting is the fact that they have 141 points for, like, on offense, and then they have 152 points against them. But they have a 4-2 and two record. So we've been talking about teams this whole podcast who have basically been unfortunate and had, like, single-digit losses. But the fact for the Chargers is it's been – the exact opposite. So they could have they could have had a much worse record than they do right now, but they're sitting at four and two and in a good position to possibly make the playoffs. The Chargers are just always an interesting team to me because you see some weeks where they look so, so good and then you see games like last night where they went to overtime with the Denver Broncos. And so I feel like the Chargers I feel like it's been the case for at least one season now where 
they're just more of an inconsistently good. They're a good team, but they're an inconsistent team, and I think that's just how you've got to describe them. They they are, and part of their negative points differential has been extremely skewed by the the week three loss to the Jaguars by twenty eight points. That would make that sense. is that is very <laughs> and, fair. But all their other wins have been one score wins, except the win against the Texans. So. The, the Chargers have had a lot of close wins. They had that blowout loss, by w- which has really skewed their, their, their points against, whereas for the most of the rest of their games, the defense has been solid. So. Speaking of the Jaguars and moving on to the AFC South, what do you guys think about the Jaguars this year and how they've performed? I feel like even though the record is 2-4 and four right now, I feel like they're a lot better of a team than what that shows. Especially a couple of weeks ago, they were looking like they could have possibly possibly um, had a winning record. But and their two wins were both blowout wins against the Colts and Chargers. But they've also had they've had a decent amount of competitive losses. But overall, they've been a much more. Com- although the record is still a losing record. They've been a much more competitive team this year than they have been in recent years. I feel like the Jaguars are in that same level of the Cardinals and the Lions where they are a better team than their record shows. And I think that's just, you know, they've got the running backs with Travis Etienne and James Robinson. They have the quarterback with Trevor Lawrence, as much as I hate to say that. You know, we don't like Trevor Lawrence, but he's done good this year, so we're not going to we're not Is this not one of your personal hates? Uh, he's a Clemson boy. We don't like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I, I think it's interesting the fact that they played the Eagles a couple weeks ago at like in Philadelphia and only lost by eight points. But then you go back and look, first game of the season, they played the Commanders and lost by six. And then two weeks ago, they lost at home against the Texans, who are clearly one of the worst teams in the league. The Texans only win and they only, against the Jaguars. Yeah, and they only scored six points. It does, uh, like Talk said, about inconsistency. Ins- it, it's a... It's a flaw, and like yeah. I said, I think I think they're better than that. I think a part of it is really just that's another young team, and I feel like experience, especially in football, in all professional sports, experience is really helpful, but especially in football, experience is really yeah. Good. And you have Doug Peterson, who is in his first year of coaching the team, so I feel like it's one of those cases to where they might be middle of the pack this year, but then they'll finally explode next year and be a really good team. Well, for Trevor Lawrence's sake, let's hope not. <laughs> Moving on to the rest of the division, you have the Colts at 3-2-1 and one after tying week one with the Texans. How do we feel about the Colts? Because I know my feelings towards them. As someone personally who drafted Jonathan Taylor in multiple leagues, I am not happy with him or the Colts from them underperforming from their offensive line underperforming to Matt Ryan until like really the past week, two weeks, him underperforming. I feel like every aspect of the Colts are just underperforming. If there's a team in the league where every aspect of the team is underperforming, I believe it's the Colts. And while they've been underperforming this year, they do seem to be turning the ship around as they have. They've gotten wins the last two weeks, although they haven't been pretty wins. They've gotten two wins. Matt Ryan has looked good in the fourth quarter, and while while they've struggled, they are they they have a lot of talent. They have Jonathan Taylor, 
And they're tied for the division lead right now with the the Tennessee Titans. No, they're actually because of the tie, they're behind. The Titans have the division uh, lead due to the tie. I mean, actually. either way, they're sitting both. They're sitting very close. Three yeah, wins yeah. and two losses three right now. Three wins, two losses. I I would say that Matt Ryan has looked better his performance last week. He had three passing touchdowns, three hundred and eighty nine passing yards. We're getting there, Matt. Now bring back, hopefully, a more healthy version of Jonathan Taylor. A Jonathan Taylor that should be top of the league. You know, a massive, big-time running back. I think I think if Jonathan Taylor comes back and is healthy this week, a Colts-Titans matchup is going to be a very, very good one. Yeah, I feel like they could really gain momentum because, I mean— in their case, all they have to do is be strong enough throughout the rest of the season to where they win the division, and then they're guaranteed to be in the playoffs. And so they could definitely be right there. But I feel like the Titans are kind of a weird situation because you haven't, like, I feel like I haven't heard about them as much as we have in recent years because of the fact that, like, A.J. Brown left and they didn't have this big explosive offense. And so I haven't been hearing about them. I feel like the Titans are about what we expected the Titans to be, just in the, just in the fact that um, they don't really have a wide receiver core right now, and they're relying on Derrick Henry. And while Derrick Henry is great at what he does, he's old. He's coming off an injury. He can only do so much. You're also playing with Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback. I'd much rather see Malik Willis in there getting experience. So. Three and two if I'm the Tennessee Titans. I'll take it given all things. I think if we're gonna talk about the Titans, we might as well talk about the game. This this week, Colts and Titans are playing. Who do you guys think they're both tied right now? Who do you think is gonna come out? Our, if you want to talk about last week, our matchup predictor, it's forty nine point two to fifty point one. So you of. you can't go who is in a favor of. And this in is one favor of the, of this is gonna be a very competitive game this week. And this will be this this game could have a lot of implications down the line for for the division lead. Definitely could be one of the best matchups this week. It's I think I think I've already said this, but I really think it comes down to Jonathan Taylor being healthy. As of right now, he's listed on ESPN as questionable. If he comes back and he plays, you obviously have the Titans clashing in Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor. However, I think the Colts' offense is more complete. So if Jonathan Taylor comes back, I think the Colts win easily. If not, I think we've got a really competitive game. I agree. I think the Colts should be able to come back as long as they, are, they aren't hurt by the injuries. Hopefully injuries are not a factor. I feel like we've seen a lot of injuries be a factor this year. I feel like injuries are always going to be a factor, just well, obviously. in general. Looking ahead to next week, and the game that's one that I'm most excited for is going to be Seahawks-Chargers, as both teams are currently in a tie for their their division's lead. Both teams have have a decent amount of weapons, have have had some ups and downs this year, but I think this could be a really interesting game, especially as both teams are looking to make playoff pushes. What game was that? The Chargers and who? The Chargers and Seattle Seahawks. The Chargers and Seattle Seahawks. I'll tell you what. That'll be that's an a offensive, weird game. Yeah, that's going to be an offensive battle. juggernaut of a game. That's going to be what we saw with Seattle and Detroit a few weeks ago, where it goes to overtime and both teams have like fifty points. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I would have to take Chargers in that, just because I think Justin Herbert is the better quarterback with better weapons. Yeah, if it comes down to where it's a close game at the end of the line, I feel like the Chargers are they have the upper hand for sure. Yep. 
All right, and then moving on to the AFC East and my game, I guess pick of the re- pick of the week, the Dolphins versus the Steelers. What do you guys think about this? Here's how, here's how I'm looking at it. Uh, this was pointed out to me. Brian Flores is back in Miami with this week for the game after being put on the coaching staff up in Pittsburgh. So I think that's a little interesting thing to know. Interesting. It's a return game. <laughs> well, it's not only a return game for him. It's also supposed to be Tua's return game. As of as of today, Tuesday, October 18th, he is practicing He is to practicing return. and practicing. And I know he he's was, listed as questionable. He was expected to start, too, he is. from what I've seen in reports. And I just have some stats here because my pick, assuming that Tua is good to play, I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins because here's here's the Miami Dolphins with Tua. They're 3-0. and Their offense is scoring 27.6 points per game. They're having – and Tua and the quarterback's – have 258.8 passing yards per game, and they're averaging 2.7 passing touchdowns per game. However, without Tua, they're 0-3. They're only putting up 16 points per game, 129 passing yards a game, and one passing touchdown a game. So the offense, obviously, as we've seen, without Tua becomes incredibly stagnant. And I think you bring him back, Miami has an easy win. Yeah, and I feel like on top of that, the fact that the Dolphins' defense should be able to capitalize on basically Kenny Pickett and his inexperience at the moment. And I feel like with the amount of times, like I'm pretty sure the Dolphins are the most blitzing defense in the NFL every single week. And so I feel like he'll be pressured way too much to the point where he's he's possibly throwing another two to three interceptions just like he has in the, the previous couple of games with being as inexperienced as he is. I feel when we talk about the Steelers, we've talked a lot about Kenny Pickett and the wide receiver core of Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, and George Pickens. You know who we haven't mentioned? Najee Harris. And he was expected to be another big-time running back coming into the season, and he has just not performed well either. I just think that is an interesting note to be added. He is not. And I also have the Dolphins winning this game. A lot of this is due to their weapons. And with Tua returning and his ability to get it to those weapons, but... Despite Tua being out for half of the game so far, Tyreek Hill is leading the league in reception receiving yards, and Jalen Waddle is sitting at fifth. So they have two top five receivers this year, despite not having their main quarterback for half the games. So I see Tua getting the getting the ball to the, the receivers better than their backups have, and I think their offense will will be too much for the Steelers. Yeah, I feel like that's a good point with Tyreek because you notice how in the press conference a couple weeks ago he told the reporter he could he could put up numbers basically with them at QB. So and that's clearly proven now at this point with Skylar Thompson and um and Teddy Bridgewater being the QBs for the Dolphins the past couple weeks and him still putting up the same numbers basically that he's been putting up with Tua the rest of the season. And with the Dol- like you mentioned, the Dolphins' offense, but the Steelers' defense, they're laying up 400 yards a game. That's not going to... I like Tua with 400 passing yards a game. I'm I, not going to complain. I, I think that is great, but I think that that's not going to help the Steelers win at all. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, because they've been backing on their defense the past couple of years, especially with T.J. Watt. He He's not available yet. I think they said he'll be ready to go by next week, but not for this game. And so torn peck? Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like that's a big difference maker right now. 100%. 100%. All right, well, Josh, what's your game of the week? Um, I will have to go with Atlanta at Cincinnati. 
I feel like interesting. interesting. I feel like Atlanta being an underrated team right now and coming off a twenty-eight to fourteen win against the 49ers, and then you got Cincinnati, who's kind of sitting right in the middle and needing wins at this point in the season. I feel like both teams will definitely be fighting, and it'll it'll possibly become a big offensive game. I disagree. I think this is an easy game for Cincinnati. The way Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow looked last week, that was beautiful. They finally looked more like themselves. Cincinnati's offense is thriving. For the first time all season, Cincinnati's depth chart is clear. They're going to be having, as of right now, like uh, Jackson said, October 18th, they're starting every all their star, all their intended starters for the first time this season. I just think those three things, game over for the Falcons. I, I would actually have to say, I think Marcus Mariota is going to have another solid game this year, and I think the Falcons are going to upset the Bengals. Bengals have hit their stride. They're looking strong. I like the Bengals. I don't know. They're still sitting at 3-3 three and three right now, so I feel like they're definitely trying to pick it up, but at the same time, the Falcons just seem so unpredictable at this point in time that it's hard to even guess if they could have a good game this week or if they could get blown out, as you're predicting at this point on. I think going back to the defenses, I think the Falcons' defense is letting up way too many yards and so many points. They're letting up 27 points a game, which is... Well, and especially for a Cincinnati defense that's that's, like aver- 19. that's averaging 362 yards per game as well. And that's, you know, that's just slightly above league average. For a defense that's performing slightly below league average, another reason why E is wrong and the Bengals are going to win. Okay, that being said, Atlanta's defensive strengths do match up well against the Bengals as they have one of the top passing defenses in the league, only giving up 175 yards per game. Their biggest weakness is the run defense, but their pass defense should be able to match up well with Burrow and Chase. So So what I'm hearing is Joe Mixon breakout week. It, it very well could be. All right, well, that is through all of our NFL teams, all of our games. Everything. Anyone else have anything else to add? I think that'll do it. I think that'll do it. Beautiful. Perfect. Please remember to subscribe and rate us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram with at sports underscore rundown underscore. Thank you for listening today, and we'll be back Saturday with a preview of Week 8 of the college football.